Welcome to SongsCast. I am Denise. Today is Friday, the 19th day of March. How are you holding up this week? We're almost to that finish line, and friends, I am trudging along here, just putting one foot in front of the other, trusting the Lord to be who my strength is to see me through. Question for today. Do you know how precious you are to Father God? While we accept that God the Father sent His only Son to earth to live in our human flesh and to die in our place, it was Father God who rose Jesus from the dead on the third day. But I don't think that we fully understand the impact of exactly how priceless to the Lord God Almighty, maker of everything, how much He treasures us. Today, we will consider this. We're journeying through Psalm 19, Psalm 49, Psalm 79, Psalm 109, and Psalm 139. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. At the end of the podcast today, for those who desire to go deeper into God's Word, we're continuing our journey in Egypt, where God made a way to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And today we see God taking on Pharaoh with three additional plagues. We're in the chapter Exodus chapter 8. So let's take that brief moment just to ask the Lord to be the focus for this time. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that for technology that allows your word to go forth through the airwaves to come into our lives to wash over us. We desire to draw near to you, to experience your mercy, to experience your grace in the midst of our lives today. We ask that you would pour generously into our life your truth. We are desperate for you, Lord. We would desperately desire your peace and your joy. Open our minds and open our hearts to everything that you have for us here today. Feed us. Lord, thank you. Lead, guide, and illuminate as we journey today. Psalm 19, the witness of creation and scripture, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech, Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to their other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. 
they are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them there is an abundant reward. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 49 Misplaced Trust in Wealth Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who inhabit the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth speaks wisdom. My heart's meditation brings understanding. I turn my ear to a proverb. I explain my riddle with a lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble? The iniquity of my foes surrounds me. They trust in their wealth and boast of their abundant riches. Yet these cannot redeem a person or pay his ransom to God. Since the price of redeeming him is too costly, one should forever stop trying, so that he may live forever and not see the pit. For one can see that the wise die, the foolish and stupid also pass away. Then they leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their permanent homes, their dwellings from generation to generation, though they have named estates after themselves. But despite his assets, mankind will not last. He is like the animals that perish. This is the way of those who are arrogant and of their followers, who approve of their words. Like sheep, they are headed for Sheol. Death will shepherd them. The upright will rule over them in the morning, and their form will waste away in Sheol, far from their lofty abode. But God will redeem me from the power of Sheol, for he will take me. Do not be afraid when a person gets rich, when the wealth of his house increases. For when he dies, he will take nothing at all. His wealth will not follow him down. Though he blesses himself during his lifetime, and you are acclaimed when you do well for yourself, he will go to the generation of his ancestors. They will never see the light. Mankind, with his assets, but without understanding, is like the animals that perish. Psalm 79, Faith Amid Confusion God, the nations have invaded your inheritance, desecrated your holy temple, and turned Jerusalem into ruins. They gave the corpses of your servants to the birds of the sky for food the flesh of your faithful ones, to the beasts of the earth. They poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become an object of reproach to our neighbors, a source of mockery and ridicule to those around us. How long, Lord? Will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy keep burning like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that don't acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that don't call on your name. 
for they have devoured Jacob and devastated his homeland. Do not hold past iniquities against us. Let your compassion come to us quickly, for we have become very weak. God of our salvation, help us for the glory of your name. Rescue us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations ask, where is their God? Before our eyes, let vengeance for the shed blood of your servants be known among the nations. Let the groans of the prisoners reach you according to your great power. Preserve those condemned to die. Pay back sevenfold to our neighbors the reproach they have hurled at you, Lord. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever. We will declare your praise to generation after generation. Psalm 109, Prayer Against an Enemy, a Psalm of David. God of my praise, do not be silent, for wicked and deceitful mouths open against me. They speak against me with lying tongues. They surround me with hateful words and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I continue to pray. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my love. Set a wicked person over him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him be found guilty and let his prayer be counted as sin. Let his days be few. Let another take over his position. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children wander as beggars, searching for food far from their demolished homes. Let a creditor seize all he has. Let strangers plunder what he has worked for. Let no one show him kindness, and let no one be gracious to his fatherless children. Let the line of his descendants be cut off. Let their name be blotted out in the next generation. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and do not let his mother's sins be blotted out. Let their sins always remain before the Lord, and let him remove all memory of them from the earth. For he did not think to show kindness, but pursued the suffering needy and brokenhearted in order to put them to death. He loved cursing. Let it fall on him. He took no delight in blessing. Let it be far from him. He wore cursing like his coat. Let it enter his body like water and go into his bones like oil. Let it be like a robe he wraps around himself, like a belt he always wears. Let this be the Lord's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil against me. But you, Lord, my Lord... Deal kindly with me for your name's sake, because your faithful love is good. Rescue me, for I am suffering and needy. My heart is wounded within me. I fade away like a lengthening shadow. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak from fasting and my body is emaciated. I have become an object of ridicule to my accusers. When they see me, they shake their heads in scorn. Help me, Lord, my God. 
Save me according to your faithful love, so that they may know that this is your hand and that you, Lord, have done it. Though they curse, you will bless. When they rise up, they will be put to shame, but your servant will rejoice. My accusers will be clothed with disgrace. They will wear their shame like a cloak. I will fervently thank the Lord with my mouth. I will praise Him in the presence of many, for He stands at the right hand of the needy to save Him from those who would condemn Him. And our final psalm for today is Psalm 139, the all-knowing, ever-present God, a psalm of David. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Lord, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked. You bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. In Psalm 19, David points out how God reveals himself 
There are three levels of his disclosure. The general revelation of himself through nature, which he created. The second is a special revelation from his word. And then we have the third, which is a specific or particular work of God in each of our individual lives. David knows that God knows him intimately, and he asks God to cleanse him from unintentional sins and hidden faults. He asks to be kept from willful sins and shows a desire to please God with what words come from his mouth and what he thinks about and desires most in his heart. This psalm has a pattern that is repeated throughout the psalms and one that we'll see also in Psalm 139, the one that we the last one we did today. It's a three-pronged approach, one that looks back and forth, up and down, outward and inward. David, who wrote this psalm, was aware of how much he needed God to provide this multi-leveled approach to understanding life. And we also can gain understanding and insight by using the psalms to consider God's glorious universe then to apply the disciplines of confession, studying the Word, and prayer in our own lives, and then to finally bear witness to what we have come to know, see, and experience of God above, God around us, and God within us. And speaking of multifocal psalms, Psalm 139 is one that describes with amazing precision and beauty God's intimate knowledge of each individual, you and you and yes, you. It is, in my opinion, very mind-blowing that our great God, who is in control of everything, every everything, should know each individual one of us down to the number of the hairs on our head. He has known each one of us since before we were formed in our mother's wombs. He knew that we would be born into this generation and the gauntlet of difficulties that we would face throughout life. And friends, He desires to be known by us and for us to draw nearer, draw closer than we have ever dared to think or dream of. And as we draw closer each day to Him and spend time here in His Holy Word, learning about Him and how He desires us to live holy lives, lives that are devoted to pleasing Him, even when it goes against our current culture and society, that is how we daily work out that salvation through the power of the Holy Spirit and the redeeming love and sacrifice of Jesus our Lord and Savior. Also, I want to encourage you to go over to the PsalmsCast social media pages. I posted an amazing short video called, What is the Value of a Soul? This is from Billy Graham, and friends, it blew my mind to a whole new level of how much God values each of our souls. I hope you'll take a moment to go and watch it, to be encouraged Give it a like and share it with a friend. Let's share the love of the true God to the world in need of a real Savior of our souls. Daddy God, we thank you for your promise in Psalm 139 
today that there is nowhere that we can go that you are not. There is nowhere we can run that your present cannot get to, whether that be inside of our minds, whether it be on this earth, whether it be in our identity or heart, whether it be in the darkest of relationship times. It doesn't matter where we've gone. You can get to us. The only place you won't invade is the place we won't allow. So wherever we wander, we turn to you and say, rescue us. Come to us. We need you. We need your presence. There is such comfort in this, that you are in life with us, that you are present to us, and that you want to be. We're not just pathetic people that keep screwing things up. You want to be in this with us, leading us, guiding us. And why we shut you out so often is a mystery to us. But we don't want that to be the story of our lives. We want the story of our lives to be one in fellowship, in oneness, in companionship, in relationship with you, walking with you, being after your heart and allowing you to be after ours. We invite you to speak identity into our lives and our hearts, identity that only you can bestow on us. We receive that identity, children of the Most High God. So come Holy Spirit, we pray, make this truth embedded deeply inside us. Changing us daily, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. On a personal note, I'm asking for prayer. I am really struggling with sleep issues, and I am tired. I would like to be able to sleep through the night without waking up every two hours. So if you would pray for me, and pray over me, I would be so very thankful. Now for those who desire to go deeper in God's Word, at the very end today, we are journeying with Moses as God continues to crush the false gods of Egypt before Pharaoh. Today, God hands out three additional plagues in Exodus chapter 8. So as we're wrapping up here today, remember, if you have questions, if you want to comment or if you have a prayer need or would like a Bible to be sent to you as a gift, the number to dial or text is 470-240-1509. For our listeners outside the United States, check out WhatsApp. It's a great way to connect with us, and that number is 1-470-240-1509. You can also check in or message us through social media. We're on the platforms of Facebook, Twitter, and MeWe. So in closing, I don't know who might need to hear this, but this is a prayer we all can pray. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's it for today. I am Denise. I love you, and I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Going deeper into the Word of God begins in five seconds. Going deeper into the Word of God, Exodus chapter 8. Okay, so it's showdown time in Egypt. The living, only true God against a man who thinks that he is a God with a little g. Moses and Aaron are the two that the Lord God is using to direct this showdown. God wants the sons and daughters of Israel to be freed from the bondage of slavery to this pagan culture. He wants his children to be free to choose him and to worship him. He has a wonderful inheritance for these people, an inheritance that he had promised to Abraham long before there was ever an Isaac. God knows exactly how Pharaoh will respond. Pharaoh does not believe that there is a God that is higher than he, and he certainly is not going to bow down to any God that the slaves worship or claim as God. God had told Moses up front that Pharaoh's heart would be hard. Yesterday, Moses and Aaron appeared before Pharaoh at the River Nile, and God pronounced that the first of many consequences for Pharaoh's unwillingness to let the Israelites go. Water in the desert is one of the most essential survival elements. Egyptians used the Nile River as a place to bathe, as well as for water and food from the fish that lived in it. So this was God's decree. This is what the Lord said. Here is how you will know that I am the Lord. Watch, I am about to strike the water in the Nile with the staff in my hand, and it will turn to blood. The fish in the Nile will die, the river will stink, and the Egyptians will be unable to drink water from it. Aaron touched the Nile with his staff, and the waters became blood instantly. Since Pharaoh was most likely at the river that day to bathe, that was not happening. But Pharaoh was unimpressed because his magicians and sorcerers were able to make water turn red as well, using occult powers of evil. Friends, having the water become tainted affected more than just Pharaoh. Everyone was impacted. They could not bathe They could not use the river for water. They could not use the river for cooking or even to obtain food. And the stench of all those fish dying in the river, ugh. This just didn't last for a couple of hours. It lasted for seven days. The Egyptians were so desperate that they dug around the Nile for water to drink because they couldn't drink the water from the river. And that is where we enter the remembrance today. Let's see if Pharaoh has had a change of heart or if he will continue to be stubborn. So as I read, allow God's words to wash over you and through you, trusting the Holy Spirit to bring to your attention and understanding that that he wants you to know today. 
Remember, the purpose of this section is for you to learn from the Holy Spirit how to apply God's truth in your life. Exodus chapter 8 The Second Plague Frogs Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and tell him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. But if you refuse to let them go, then I will plague all your territories with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs. They will come up and go into your palace, into your bedroom, and on your bed, into the houses of your officials and your people, and into your ovens and kneading bowls. The frogs will come up on you, your people, and all your officials. The Lord then said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, canals, and ponds, and cause the frogs to come up into the land of Egypt. When Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same thing by their occult practices and brought frogs up onto the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Appeal to the Lord to remove the frogs from me and my people. Then I will let the people go, and they can sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, You may have the honor of choosing. When should I appeal on behalf of you, your officials, and your people, that the frogs be taken away from you and your houses and remain only in the Nile? Tomorrow, he answered. Moses replied, As you have said, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God, the frogs will go away from you, your houses, your officials, and your people. The frogs will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord for help concerning the frogs that he had brought against Pharaoh. The Lord did as Moses had said. The frogs in the houses, courtyards, and fields died. They piled them in countless heaps, and there was a terrible odor in the land. But when Pharaoh saw there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. The Third Plague, Gnats Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the land, and it will become gnats throughout the land of Egypt. And they did this. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff, and when he struck the dust of the land, gnats were on the people and animals. All the dust of the land became gnats throughout the land of Egypt. The magicians tried to produce gnats using their occult practices, but they could not. The gnats remained on the people and animals. This is the finger of God, the magician said to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. The Fourth Plague Swarms of Flies The Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh when you see him going out to the water. Tell him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. But if you will not let my people go, 
Then I will send swarms of flies against you, your officials, your people, and your houses. The Egyptians' houses will swarm with flies, and so will the land where they live. But on that day I will give special treatment to the land of Goshen, where my people are living. No flies will be there. This way you will know that I, the Lord, am in the land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will take place tomorrow. And the Lord did this. Thick swarms of flies went into Pharaoh's palace and his officials' houses. Throughout Egypt, the land was ruined because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the country. But Moses said, It would not be right to do that, because what we will sacrifice to the Lord our God is detestable to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what the Egyptians detest in front of them, won't they stone us? We must go a distance of three days into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as He instructs us. Moses responded, I will let you go and sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but do not go very far. Make an appeal for me. As soon as I leave you, Moses said, I will appeal to the Lord, and tomorrow the swarm of flies will depart from Pharaoh, his officials, and his people. But Pharaoh must not act deceptively again by refusing to let the people go and sacrifice to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh's presence and appealed to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses had said. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, his officials, and his people. Not one was left. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. God always has a purpose and a plan when he is dealing with us, us humans. This time, God comes against this pagan culture to show all who is the real God. And anything that is not pure and true, God is, bottom line, just an idol. God will not be mocked. So, you might not know this, the Egyptians were very religious people. Like many other early civilizations, they were polytheistic Polytheism is a belief in more than one God. And with so many other aspects of the Egyptian culture, such as their medicine, their religious beliefs were highly developed. In fact, ancient Egyptians had more than 2,000. That's 2,000 gods and goddesses. That's an example of how sophisticated their belief system was. So Moses coming forth, proclaiming that the Lord God said to let his people go and worship probably didn't surprise Pharaoh, but again, Pharaoh was raised to believe that he also was God. And Pharaoh was used to having his own way. Each one of God's plagues was a one-up on the gods of Egypt. There was an Egyptian god of the river. Um, His name was Hapi. Um, He was the Egyptian god of the Nile. 
And this Egyptian god, when you saw his little drawing, was a water bearer. The second god and the second plague we saw was frogs. Frogs, frogs everywhere. Fascinating. They are very fascinating little creatures that God created, but they are just a species that reveals God's amazing design. Frogs are not to be worshipped because they are just a reptile. Yet the Egyptians had a god that they worshipped in the form of a frog. Heket is the Egyptian goddess of fertility, water, and renewal. She had the head of a frog. She was the Egyptian goddess of fertility, and um, she was represented in the form of a frog. To the Egyptian, the frog was the ancient symbol of fertility related to the annual flooding of the Nile. Pharaoh's magicians were able to bring some frogs in their attempt to imitate the power of God, but it was only Moses who was able to take the frogs away. That was very interesting. And then we have the third one, the gnats, um, is how it is rendered in the Christian Standard Bible. But other versions that I was looking at call them lice. Both are biting insects and they spread disease. Geb was the Egyptian god of the earth, and he was the god of all the dust of the earth. And at the command of the Lord to Moses, Aaron was told to stretch out his rod and and hit the dust of the earth. And when he did, the dust became lice throughout the land on both people and beasts. The very dust that is being referred to in the creation process of man is now being used to plague men as a reminder of his mortality and his sin, both of which lead to death. And finally, the Egyptians of Pharaoh are, they're humiliated. They're not able to compete with this power that is much greater than theirs and the powers that they had from their Egyptian gods and goddesses. And they actually profess this is from God. And then the fourth one we have is um, the flies. And the Egyptian god that was represented by a fly is Capri. And he is the Egyptian god of creation, the movement of the sun, and rebirth. And he is represented with the head of a fly when you see the little pictographs of him. So this fourth plague, which consists of flies, begins also the great separation or differentiation. When Moses meets Pharaoh at the Nile River in the morning and makes the demand speaking on the behalf of the Lord, saying, let my people go so that they may serve me, Pharaoh hardens his heart and just totally ignores the request which results in the pronouncement of the swarm of flies. This time, it's only the the Egyptians that are suffering under this plague. The children of Israel escape unscathed. This wonder also moves the Egyptian plagues to a different level, adding destruction as well as discomfort 
the consequences of their decisions. Plagued by flies, Pharaoh tries a new tactic, and he begins to bargain with the Lord, showing his desire to maintain power and authority over God. And he tries to dictate the terms or the conditions of the offer, telling them they may sacrifice, but only in the land, clearly not complying with the requested three-day journey that the Lord required. And Moses doesn't budge, and Pharaoh relented, allowing them to leave, but telling them not to go very far. And this temporary allowance is made solely to have Moses pray to God that the swarms of flies depart. What's interesting is that Pharaoh learns in part who God is, and he has to ask God for his assistance over the Egyptian gods and goddesses. But as soon as the request is granted by the Lord, Pharaoh once again reneges on his promise and he won't let them go. And he continues to worship his Egyptian gods. Verse 